Well, good morning. Good to see you here this morning. Well, we had our Easter break, but we're continuing in the book of Psalms, Songs of Life, and today we're going to be in Psalm 119. So if you have a copy of the scriptures, open it to Psalm 119. If you need a Bible, raise your hand and someone will get you one. Alex, your wife needs a Bible. (laughs) Talk to her about that. Psalm 119. If anyone is going to ask for my daughter's hand in marriage, I'm going to ask them to recite Psalm 119. (laughs) It's the longest psalm, it's the longest chapter there is in Scripture. And what this song is, is the Hebrew alphabet. 22 letters, if you will, and there's eight stanzas for each. And so it's an expression of fulfillment. It's an expression of completeness. It's a creative way to try and bring every part of their language and understanding to this knowledge of God. And if you were to say, what is the theme of, of this particular psalm, it would have to be the word of God. But it it comes across as more than just the word of God. You will hear the phrase, the word of God, or the law of the Lord, or your decrees, or your commandments. And these are all expressions of God's revelation to his people. Now, We don't fully understand this because we hear the the phrase, the word of God, so frequently, especially followers of Christ in the United States. But you have to understand what this means to a person at this time and in the world at the time that this psalm was written. First of all, the Hebrew belief in one God was unique. It stood out. And not, did it, not only did it stand out as we believe in one God instead of a God for everything, like the Egyptians or the Philistines or the other nations that were around, but this one God has given us a clear understanding of who he is, has revealed himself and given us laws, commands, an understanding of what his will is for his people. This is very unusual at this time. And so they had names for God, many names for the one God. And these names are, again, telling of this relationship of revelation of who this God is. And so you could understand God who is our provider, okay, because, you know, he provides the rain for, for the crops and those things. And so, okay, God is our provider, but it's also very personal, like God who is our healer and God who is our righteousness, And all of a sudden, this revelation of this one God has become very personal. 
And this is, again, very unusual for this time. And as we go through this, it's really easy for us to to see this in our viewpoint and look through it through our lens that understands and maybe even takes for granted some of these things that were very personal at this time and very profound in how they describe their God. And so Psalm 119, we'll start in verse 1, and we're not going to do the whole song today. You're saying, oh, good. (laughs) Verse 1, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. As this psalmist begins to write, and we believe it's David, although it's not certain. There is not an author ascribed to this. But he starts with the word blessed. And again, this word blessed is one that's hard to interpret. It means happy. It means joy. It means full. One translation I love talks about just congratulations. Blessed. It means you got it. And he starts with this blessing. And he says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first read that, I'm a little bit intimidated. Blameless. Blessed are those who are blameless. Okay, I guess that counts me out. Does anyone else think that way? You see, but the idea isn't to say, well, those who have never had any problem, but those who are in a place of right standing, who are without blame at this moment. Blessed are those who are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. And so there's a connection that's going to be taking place in all these verses that we're going to look at, at least the first eight. Blessing goes to those who are blameless. In other words, you are blessed because you are blameless. Why are you blameless? Because you are walking in the law of the Lord. And so these things are connected. When you're walking in the law of the Lord, then you are presented blameless. And when you are blameless, then you have blessing. I was trying to figure out what would this look like? And I was going back because I don't have many times where I'm blameless. And so 
I was thinking of when I was in school and I actually did my homework. It was rare. But every now and then I would do my homework and I would go to class blameless. <laughs> waiting for the teacher to say, who did their homework? Oh, it was me. It was rare, but when it happened, oh, that feeling, I did it. Or maybe you're on the job and something is required of you to, to do a certain task and you complete it. And when the job or the foreman or the inspector comes to, to look and see if it's done, to, to mark off if it's been completed, you're blameless. It, it's completed. It's done. And there's this feeling of, I did my job. I'm grateful. I'm satisfied. I'm blessed. And you see, the blessing doesn't just come. It's not just there. Oh, I feel blessed. Why? For no reason. I'm just blessed. No, the blessing came because I did the task. I did what I was supposed to do, the homework, the law of the Lord. I, I'm walking in that, completing it. And so I have this blamelessness because of its completion and it produces blessing. And you see, that is always the case. Blessing does not separate itself from action. The whole idea of a blessing was a responsibility that was given and now it is yours. The blessing on a family. This is what belongs to you because we have given you these things. We have walked in this way. This is now your inheritance, your blessing. This is what you get for what has been done. And the rest of these verses here in the first eight verses at least, all connect these things. Chapter or Verse two, it says, blessed are those who keep his statutes. So first it was the law of the Lord, but now it's keep his statutes because they seek him with all their heart. You see, you keep his statutes, but you seek him with all your heart. Or you walk in the law of the Lord and you are blameless. They do no wrong, but what do they do? They follow his ways. How do they do no wrong? By following his ways. They're connected. And it goes on in the same thing. You have laid down your precepts. There it is again. The law, the statutes, the precepts, and they are fully obeyed. And these are all the things that are producing blessing. The law, the precepts. God's declaration, God's revelation, following after it with all your heart and all your ways, fully obeyed, they produce blessing. Verse 5, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. And, and now what happens is the psalmist goes, that's what I want. That's what I desire. And, and so now what he's doing, he's saying, I'm seeing something. Those who walk according to your ways, those who hear your precepts and obey, oh, they're blessed. 
They're blameless and they're blessed. Oh, that I was like that. Have you ever been there? Where what you want is to be blameless. To have the job done. What you want is to be blessed and the blessing comes from following his ways, listening to him. And maybe it's after you've made a mistake. Maybe it's after you've fallen and you think, oh, I wish I would have obeyed. I wouldn't deal with these consequences if I would have done that. See, that was me in school. Oh, I wish I would have done my homework most of the time. That morning came and I knew it was there, but I was lazy. I liked staying out late. I liked doing other things. And so when it came time for the blessing, oh, I wish I would have done it. Or, okay, everyone, put your books away. We're having a test. Oh, that I would have walked steadfast in my studies. Oh, that I would have prepared for this test so that I would have been like the girl on the desk next to me who's smiling and all chipper. Get out of here. Oh, that I would have been steadfast, diligent, in these things. And you see the connection is to the actions that are being done in obeying your decrees because then I would not be put to shame. Then I wouldn't deal with the embarrassment of my failure. Then I would have gotten the grade and would have passed the class. I did pass. (laughs) When I considered all your commands, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. And so now what's taking place is we're seeing recognition of what produces blessing, the desire actually now learn to do these things. The desire. And this is what's going to start taking place and showing up in his words that I want to learn. Don't cast me away. See, here comes his desire that I would desire to learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. This is what I want. It's real important that we understand our role and God's role. Throughout Scripture, God has been blessing. But then we find that this blessing comes upon certain people. People who obey. People who follow after the Lord. And it's not the people who are traditionally the ones that you would think. Have you ever noticed how many times it's not the firstborn 
who is blessed in Scripture? Think of any? Esau, right? Jacob? Even in Romans, Esau, or Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. And, and he's actually referring to Malachi and the position of one wanting to reject their birthright and the other taking it. Throughout Scripture, who is Jesse's first son? Anyone know? Second son? Son of Jesse? Who is Jesse's youngest son? Oh, you all know him. But remember when Samuel went to Jesse's house because God led him there. I said, go to the house of Jesse because I've anointed one. He's there. He goes to the house and Jesse lines up all his sons, all but one. And Samuel goes, oh, this guy looks scrapping young man. Surely it's this man. The Lord says, no, and don't call him Shirley. It's, maybe it's this one. And he goes down the line and it's none of the ones that he presents him there. And, and he's sitting there and he goes, is this it? He goes, well, no, I got another one. He didn't even think of him. He's out in the field. Well, we're not doing anything. We're not eating until you bring him. Brings him in and the Lord says, that's him. It wasn't the one that was decided by birth. It wasn't the one who was first. It wasn't the one who it should have been by inheritance. The blessing came time and time again to the one who was last, the one who wasn't expected, and actually who was the one who wanted it to some degree. Whether Jacob the deceiver, whether Joseph the favorite, whether David... There is God's blessing not on the one who it's supposed to be, but on the one who actually has a heart for what God wants to do. And so we see Jacob wrestling with God. And so we see Joseph cast and used as he seeks the Lord. So we see David, a man after God's own heart. And all these things are just a type to what God is doing with the Gentiles, bringing the Gentiles into this place where they now will be brought in which is what the book of Romans is about. And so we see God is doing something, but he's requiring something from the people, and it's more than a birthright. It's more than being born. It's actually requiring of them. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. A scripture you guys are familiar with. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 reads, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. What is not of yourselves? Faith. Grace is already not of yourself. Okay, You're saved by grace through faith, and that's not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And and so here Paul is saying, we are saved by grace through faith, and that faith is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God so that we don't boast. It's not that we should boast. We are his handiwork created in Christ to do good works. And we've talked about this before. Good works aren't specific, narrow, oh, it's got to be this little thing. It's That's encompassing what we're supposed to do. We're saved to do good things that God has prepared us for. And, and so this faith is a gift of God, but we understand that everyone has been given a measure of faith. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, which is what he just told them in Ephesians, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So God has given in some translations, it says, a measure of faith. Everyone has been given a measure, a gift of faith. This belief, because that's what faith is. It's the spiritual word for trust and believing. And everyone's been given this measure of faith, a, a, a bit of faith. It's the DNA within us that God has put that is reaching out, trying to find what do you believe in? Because you have to to believe in something. So what do you believe in? And this is what happens. God puts this little faith in everyone, and it's like this device that is pinging, trying to find what it believes in. And it's that guidance system that is meant to take us all to the place that connects us to God. And so everyone has this faith and it's pinging, listening, what comes back, what comes back. And we put our faith in different things or not. But it's there within all of humanity, this gift of faith. That's what God has done. And then he's given us his laws. He's given us his decrees. He's given us his son, a revelation of who he is so that this faith can ping and hear back. Ping and hear back. And then it needs to respond. See, Jesus said, when I be lifted up, and he was referring to the cross, I will draw what? all men to myself. I will be the resonance that will come back, that if they are looking for something, I will be there. All men. Why? Because all have been given this gift of faith. God has put it within everybody. And the psalmist here is recognizing his part. God, you have given decrees. I need to walk in them so that I can be blessed. That's how it works. So many times we think of, I'm I'm cursed. 
I'm just, my life is not going well. My job or my health. And we think of these things as a curse or the things that I'm doing. Why does bad things always happen to me? Why aren't I living this blessed life? And many times you could actually go back and see that the decision was connected to another decision that was connected to another decision. And it's actually a reaction of what you've done many times why you are where you're at. Why don't I have any money? Well, because you've used your credit cards so much. How did this happen? Well, it happened when you filled out that paper that said get the credit card. And you turned it in. And you did it multiple times. And so now it's added up and this is what's happened. There is a responsibility. You see, a lot of times we think that person's cursed. That person's, they're condemned. And it's like saying, you know, when a person jumps off the building, you don't say, God, why have you condemned that person to splatter on the ground? They jumped off the building. That's what happens when you jump off a building. Well, what happens when you don't jump off the building? What happens when you do study your homework? Then you're blameless. Then you're blessed. And so God has given us his decree, his word, his son, so that we can understand who he is and learn to follow him and be blessed. And so the psalmist continues in verse 9. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? I like that it says a young person. Because it's old people don't need to worry about it, right? No, it's talking about a young person. How is someone supposed to learn? You see, a lot of us have learned the hard way. We've learned by experience. You run into a wall, smash your face. Don't run into the wall. Why? You'll smash your face. What does a young person do? Are you sure? What if you... What if you don't really smash your face? What if you're just what if you can go through the wall? You can try it or you can look at my nose and learn. <laughs> and so a young person, a person without experience, how can they know? A person with a lot of passion. How are they going to learn to to live a life that is pure or clean or whole by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. This reminds me so much of Jesus' teaching us how to pray. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is what I need to do. I need to seek you with all my heart and don't let me stray from your commands. In other words, keep reminding me, keep pinging back to me, God, the things that I need to know. Oh, that's right. I need to seek you with all my heart. And again, now what we're seeing is desire 
on the psalmist's part, desire on our part, responsibility on our part. I do need to seek you with all my heart and help me not to go astray from what? From your commands, the things that you've given. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Who hid the word in his heart? I did. And the idea of hiding his word is, again, not just memorizing scripture. It's about connecting to the revelation. What does God want from me? And yeah, it is through the scripture. But I know a lot of people who memorize scripture who still sin against the Lord. Do you? So it's not if you memorize scripture, you won't sin against God. Just want to clear that up. There's something more taking place here. There's something that is involving his desire. I have hidden your words in my heart, in the center of my being. They are important to me. I care about what you care about. You see, and that's the first step. God, I want what you want for me. And you have given me understanding. And so I've hidden those things, your scriptures, in my heart because they are what will keep me from being separate from you. They will keep me from falling off the path that you have for me. It is your revealed truth that keeps me living a life that can be without shame and that will be blessed. I understand what you've given me. I want what you have for me and I'm going to hide it in my heart. I'm going to bury it in my soul. It is going to be precious to me. And that's what will keep me, is desiring what you desire. I've shared this before, and it just bears repeating right now. You can know the right thing, but if you love the wrong thing, you will make the wrong decision. But if you love the right thing, what you love will be what you do. You will do what you love. And that's why Jesus' greatest command is what? Keep my commandments. No, it's love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. It goes back to the relationship, the God who is our righteousness, the God who does provide for us, the God who is our healer. Love him. And that's why it was so important to understand who this God was because he's not just this being out there that gives you a thumbs up or thumbs down. He was someone who interacted with his people and revealed himself and gave them understanding through the scriptures. And that's why the Hebrew people could stand back and say, look, at this is what God has done for us. Not only has he given us his word, he's proven it. He's parted seas. He's delivered us from armies. He's brought down walls. He is our God. And he has shown us what to do and if we will do those things, we will be blameless. We will be blessed. The same thing is true for us. 
Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Do you ask God to teach you? Do you ask God to show you what his desire is? Or or is it kind of like me and my homework? God, help me get an A. No. No, help me get an A. So what I'm seeking is an A. I don't want to know about what I need to do. I just want the A. And you see, that's what a lot of people do. I want the blessing. Seek me. What does that mean? Well, that means you have to teach. I have to teach you. I have to show you. You have to put my word in your heart. You have to pray. You have to communicate with me. You have to give your time to me. Oh, Bless me. No. Give me an A. No. Do your work. And you'll get the A. Love the Lord. Ask him to teach you. And you will get the blessing. Don't seek the blessing. Seek the one who blesses. That's what is taking place here. That's what it means. The word of God, the law, the decrees, the precepts. This is the revelation of the character of who God is. And if you will learn about him, you'll know how to live and you'll get the blessing. So he praises him and he asks him to teach him his decrees. With my lips I will recount the law that has come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. There it is. There it is. What do you really rejoice in? What do you really want? Well, again, most people want wealth. Most people want riches. Most people want that success. And here the psalmist says, what I want more than wealth is you. I want to know you. Jesus said, learn of me. For I am humble in heart. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. How do I find rest for my soul? Jesus says, learn of me. God, teach me who you are. Help me to understand what you love. Help me to do what you do, those good works that you have prepared for me to walk in. Help me to do those things. I want them more than riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I love this. I consider your ways. Do you ever consider God's ways? Man, they are so cool and so mind-boggling. And there is so much in the scripture that just makes you wonder. I'm glad. I'm glad I have questions. I have a question. Do you think Adam and Eve had any children before the fall? Maybe. What does that mean? Think of that when you get to chapter 6 and it talks about the sons of God. Oh, man. Do you consider 
the things of God? There's so much to consider. Now, I didn't say that was true or not. It doesn't, we don't know. Just consider the possibilities. Now, some of you are going, wait, that, <laughs> wait, wait, what's going on here? Oh, man, there is so much we don't know. Consider his ways, how he is working, what he is doing now. Consider them. Meditate on those things. I delight in your decrees, and I love this, I will not neglect your word. God, I will not neglect what you say. What you say is what I want for my life. Your decrees are the things I will walk in, I will seek them diligently, and if I do, I'll get an A. If I do, I will be blessed. God has done his part. He's given you faith. He's put it in every one of you. And so that ping is going out and God's saying, I'm here. And then it it connects to God and so now we know how we are to walk. And then he's given us his decrees, his precepts, his laws, his son. So that we know who he is And so now we need to diligently seek him. We need to meditate on him. We need to think about it. And if we do these things and don't neglect that, we will find our lives full. Let's pray. Father, if this were a song today, we wouldn't even have gotten the first verse. And yet there is so much depth and truth in these words that it's caused our hearts to to step back and take notice. It's something we look at and we say, wow, there, there is a way to follow after you that has good consequences, that there is a way to live that actually produces wholeness, that I can seek you and you can be found. Oh God, you can be found. You have revealed yourself. And you were there for us to just reach out and and learn and to meditate and to consider. Lord, if we would just desire these things. Lord, that desire is our part. You've given us faith. You've put within our own souls this desire for wholeness, this desire for life, this desire for you. And now it's our opportunity to respond, to step into the good works that you have prepared for us from before the foundation of the world.
to, to live lives that are blessed. As everyone's eyes are closed, I, if this morning you are feeling that you need to respond, that you need to take a step and seek the Lord, we'd like to be a part of that with you. Again, those cards in front of you or that you were given have a, a check mark that you can say that you want to learn more about Jesus. If you will check that, if you want to give us your number, we can call you. If you just want us to pray for you, we can. But remember, this is your response. This is your opportunity. This is your responsibility. Lord, I do pray for those who are in that place that they would take the step, that they would seek you diligently, that they would start to hide the truth of who you are within their hearts, your ways, that it would keep them on the life that would lead them to you. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask also one thing for you guys to pray with me before we close. I wanted to say this earlier and I just remembered. Uh, many of you know um, Rick Warren's son died. Uh, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before. Uh, he took his life. Um, and we want to pray for the Warren family. He, his son has been struggling with uh, depression and some mental struggles for years. Uh, Rick has responded and shared those things. Um, so let's pray for the Warren family. Father, it wasn't too long ago that our hearts went out for a young girl who took her life in the Navy. Um, and now here is Rick Warren's son taking his life. And Lord, we just cry out for him and the family that you would comfort them and embrace them and surround them with your grace and mercy. Lord, I know that there are many who deal with depression. And Father, I pray that you would breathe hope into their hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would lead them to places to find release and comfort, people who can help them, doctors who are able to, to provide what is necessary for them if that is necessary medically. Lord, I pray that you would bring hope and life into those who are in similar situations. Be with this family, Lord. Strengthen them. May they find peace in you. We do thank you again for being our healer, our comfort, the God who sees. Thank you for seeing us, Lord. We love you and we seek you. In Jesus' name, amen.